Welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast, coming to you from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee. Be sure and check us out and like us on Facebook and Instagram, and follow us on Telegram, as well as on the website of libertyleadershipandlies.com. You can subscribe to notifications on the website to follow the blog there. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. Again, that is Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. Now, on to the episode. Well, the show's not up on TikTok yet. Kaylee's still working it out, meaning she's goading me into it every day. Also, I would like to sincerely thank the listeners for the feedback you send my way. I read each mail you send, and I'm grateful that you take the time to reach out to me. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit the show on Anchor and click on the support button. Then just follow the steps there. I'd like to encourage each of the listeners that if you are enjoying the content, please share it with your family, friends, coworkers, and neighbors. We need to work together to shrug off the voter apathy and lack of knowledge of our founding documents and principles that has gripped our republic for decades. Well, we're on the topic of liberty this week. As we often discuss on the show, our founding fathers wrote the Constitution and Bill of Rights to restrict the government from encroaching on our God-given rights. The aristocracy and their media enablers have worked together in earnest for decades now to ensure that the population does not have a firm understanding of these documents. And of course, the most effective way to do this is to start at a young age with a population. Our government schools do nothing to properly educate our children on these founding documents, nor the writings of the founding fathers that explain the reasoning behind the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. If they did that properly we would not be in the mess we are in right now or have the apathy that is so prevalent in the electorate. This is part of what I'm trying to do here, to arm us with wisdom, truth, and facts. Not my truth, not your truth, but the truth. Truth doesn't vary from person to person. Don't give in to the culture that states such garbage. Truth is universal. Truth is backed up by facts. And facts are the enemy of lies. When I was discussing lies last week, I talked about the enumerated powers that Congress has. By enumerating the powers that Congress has, the Constitution also excludes the legislative powers they do not have. I also discussed the reason behind the Founding Fathers adopting the first ten amendments to the Constitution, which we call the Bill of Rights. And if you recall from the preamble to the Bill of Rights, they were passed, and I quote, in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers, its being Congress's, that these further declaratory and restrictive clauses are necessary. And that's why they're called the Bill of Rights. I'm wondering if any clever person in the audience caught something in the enumerated powers that destroys a key argument of the common sense gun control aristocracy and their media handlers. I even gave it a hint. Well, check this out. This is one of the enumerated powers that Congress has as detailed in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. And it is to declare war, grant letters of mark and reprisal, and make rules concerning captures on land and water. That's Clause 11 of Article 1, Section 8. 
It contains some old English wording, so let's define the words. We'll go to trustydictionary.com to see what the definition of a letter of mark is. It is a license or commission granted by a state, meaning nation state, to a private citizen to capture and confiscate the merchant ships of another nation. One of the arguments the common sense gun control crowd uses is that the founding fathers never envisioned weapons of war in the hands of citizens, just in the hands of the military or law enforcement. Well, that doesn't jive with the enumerated power that Congress could issue licenses or commissions to private citizens to capture ships of foreign countries. Again, facts and truth matter, but the common sense gun control crowd cannot argue from that position based upon that clause in the Constitution. Were the citizens of the United States going to capture foreign nation ships with their squirrel guns, their muskets, hunting knives, and pitchforks? Of course not. Private citizens had ships with cannons. So, private citizens possessed the most destructive weapon of war utilized in the late 1700s. Our government was handing out licenses or commissions to private citizens so they could kill people and capture ships of foreign countries. And this was the case because the citizens were much better armed and equipped than the early U.S. Navy. So that kind of puts a lie to the fact that our government never intended for us private citizens to have weapons of war. In fact, our government counted on it and needed it. The Founding Fathers relied on an armed citizenry to obtain and maintain liberty. And they further protected this God-given right to keep and bear arms by adding the Second Amendment to the Constitution. It is a declaratory and restrictive statement that said government cannot infringe on these rights. Yet our liberties in this area has been stolen from us bit by bit over many decades because our citizens are not educated on our republic's founding. So the next time you find yourself in a debate with anybody of the common sense gun control crowd, or somebody that talks about how the Second Amendment did not account for weapons of war in the hands of the citizens, just point them to this clause in Article 1, Section 8. After they read it, ask them what they think about the government commissioning private citizens to wage war with their personal weapons. Personal weapons. Another thing to keep in mind is that there have been many other amendments to the Constitution since the Bill of Rights has been passed, too. None of those amendments have removed any of the enumerated powers of Congress, especially this particular clause. This means that right now, in the year 2021, our Congress can still issue letters of mark to private citizens. I'm sure when you're pointing this out to the common sense gun control, you most likely get some gibberish about how times have changed, or they feel safer without people walking around without firearms in their neighborhood, or their face will look like the Windows blue screen of death, they may need a reset of their hard drive to begin functioning again in order to properly process truth, facts, and logic. Ask them if they think somebody with a musket and knife that were meant for hunting is what the Founding Fathers envisioned as being able to kill people and capture the ships of another country. Another thing to remember is that when the British were confiscating arms from the colonists before the Revolutionary War broke out, it wasn't just muskets they were after. The Redcoats went to Lexington and Concord to confiscate the citizens' cannons, along with other weapons of war. The British government was trying to implement common-sense gun control. To the government at the time, which was King George, common-sense gun control meant that he did not want to have an armed population in the colonies. He did this so they would be easier to control. 
and it was also one of the contributing factors to our fight for independence. There's plenty of evidence that our founding fathers knew that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed was an absolutely necessary addition to the Constitution. Let's go over some of what they said on this topic at the time subsequent to and after the Constitution's ratification and the passing of the Bill of Rights. George Washington, our first president, in a 1790 address to both houses of Congress said, A free people ought to not only be armed, but disciplined, meaning trained in the use of arms. And again, free people is synonymous with liberty. Or how about Thomas Jefferson in 1776 when he said, No free man shall ever be debarred the use of arms. In a letter Jefferson wrote to James Madison in 1787, he stated, What country can preserve its liberties if their rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. Or how about this bit of prescience? Thomas Jefferson, in quoting Cesar Vicaria, when he was writing the commonplace book, stated, The laws that forbid the carrying of arms are laws of such a nature. They disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. They serve rather to encourage than to prevent homicides, for an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an armed man. We just have to look at all the places that have enacted these so-called common-sense gun control laws and see how safe the citizens there are. Cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, St. Louis. The only people that have been disarmed are the law-abiding citizens. That makes them prey to the criminals. The only people walking around armed in those gun-free zones are criminals. That makes you feel safe, doesn't it? So it just takes a cursory search of the written history about the right of the people to keep and bear arms that gives lie to those who advocate that the Second Amendment was only meant for hunting. For a people to be free, they must first be able to protect themselves from a tyrannical government, but more importantly, they must have the means to change their government. Our Declaration of Independence stated that. It contained the words that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. The Tennessee State Constitution unequivocally states this in Article 1, Section 1 with these words, that all power is inherent in the people and all free governments are founded on their authority, their meaning the people, and instituted for their peace, safety, and happiness. For the advancement of those ends, they have at all times an unalienable and indefeasible right to alter, reform, or abolish the government in such a manner as they may think proper. So we the people have an unalienable and indefeasible right to alter, reform, or abolish government that has been acknowledged since our republic's founding. Squirrel guns, pitchforks, and hunting knives cannot accomplish this. An armed populace is a respected populace. Let's pause for a message from a supporter of this podcast. Mrs. A.J. DePriest is the director of Proposal Logic. Proposal Logic is a woman-owned, minority-owned small business located just outside Nashville, Tennessee, serving federal contractors with proposal management and technical writing expertise. Since 2011, A.J. has served more than 150 federal contractors 
on proposals for more than 200 federal agencies. While average win rates for federal proposal developers rest around 35%, AJ finished 2020 with an astounding 100% win rate for her clients. So stop losing conventionally and start winning unconventionally. If you are a federal contractor and you are ready to win government contracts, contact AJ at 615-474-2123. Again, that is 615-474-2123. Or you can email her at aj at proposalogic.com. Again, that is aj at proposalogic.com. P-R-O-P-O-S-A-L-O-G-I-C dot com. All right, back to liberty. The aristocracy thrives so much on the apathy of the electorate and their lack of knowledge on the Constitution and Bill of Rights that when they propose legislation to restrict our ability to keep and bear arms, they will claim they have the constitutional authority to do so. In 2011, the House of Representatives adopted an amendment to their House rules that requires them to state the constitutional authority for any bill or joint resolution they propose. It's called the Constitutional Authority Statement. So they must cite one of the enumerated powers in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution as their authority to pass this legislation. And a true understanding of the enumerated powers and their intent will result in the electorate seeing that many of these bills they pass, especially with regards to the right to keep and bear arms, is contrary to the Second Amendment and antithetical to the Constitution. Both documents are meant to restrict the power of government, never to expand it. And they've been expanding their power and have gotten away with it for decades now. Why? Because they know the public is not educated on the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the limits or restrictions these documents place on their power. Take, for example, a piece of legislation that has been introduced in the House of Representatives right now. It's H.R. 127. Its stated purpose is to provide for the licensing of firearm and ammunition possession and the registration of firearms and to prohibit the possession of certain ammunition. That sounds a whole lot like infringement to me. How about you? Of course, this bill was introduced by a liberal aristocrat that absolutely has zero understanding of the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Or maybe she has a complete understanding of those documents but completely trust in the fact that our citizens don't understand them. She cites this bill is enacted pursuant to the power granted to Congress under Article 1, Section 8, Clauses 1 and 18 of the Constitution. Of course, an uneducated and apathetic populace goes along with that statement, because Clause 1 contains the words general welfare in it. You all know what liberals think when they hear the term welfare, right? That's big government helping. It must be true that creating a firearms registry promotes the general welfare of the United States, right? Or how Clause 18 contains the words, Make all laws which shall be necessary and proper. It must be necessary and proper to infringe on our liberty to keep us safe from ourselves, right? Really? In the Congress's own words on enacting the rule to add a constitutional authority statement to legislation, and then talking about Clause 18, the Necessary and Proper Clause, it states that Clause 18 supplements Congress's enumerated powers, providing the legislative branch the power to adopt measures that assist in the achievement of ends contemplated by other provisions in the Constitution. 
So it's the bait and switch. Look here, but don't look here. Look over there, but you're not going to find it. So somebody, please point out the spot in the Constitution where it states that Congress can implement measures to restrict the citizen's right to keep and bear arms. What provisions does the Constitution state that require a firearms registry or prohibit the sale of ammunition? Nobody can point it out because it actually states the complete opposite. Yet our citizens don't heed the warning of one of our founding fathers about trading liberty for temporary security or temporary safety. General welfare, as well as necessary and proper, are used to sell the population on the idea of temporary security. Once the aristocracy knows that the citizen sovereigns have figured out the limits on their enumerated powers, how long do you figure it will take the aristocracy to remove that rule in Congress? They will change the House rules that require them to put a constitutional authority statement on all legislation because we know they are lying to us. The aristocracy, completely enabled by the media, is constantly selling fear to gain more control over our liberty. Remember, a population kept in fear is more easily controlled. An unarmed population is more easily controlled. Mass shootings and the use of firearms get the most media coverage. Never mind the fact that heart disease, cancer, and medical malpractice are the leading causes of death in this country. Intentional death by homicide with a firearm, which doesn't include suicide, pales in comparison. Yet the government wants to infringe on our liberty to keep and bear arms. And none of those things, heart disease, cancer, medical malpractice, or firearm safety, are part of the enumerated powers of Congress. They just want to infringe on our liberty to keep and bear arms. Why? Fear and control. And fear doesn't only apply to firearms either. Fear applies to providing for your family too. I was just discussing this with a listener as well. The fear of not providing your family in the early stages of the Wuhan flu pandemic when the local, state, and federal government was shutting down your jobs caused a lot of people to trade their liberty for the temporary security of unemployment benefits and government stimulus checks. Fear for our health and our income. Unemployment benefits that keep getting extended along with these so-called stimulus checks, are exacerbating the government-induced problems initiated by the Wuhan virus pandemic. This is what is called the unbroken leg fallacy. Government shut down businesses, determined who is and who is not an essential worker. They ordered lockdowns and quarantines of healthy people. And quarantines of healthy people for a virus with a high transmission rate, but low death rate. They... Government nearly killed our economy. Now they're stepping in with more government solutions to the problems that government caused. It will not end there either with the unemployment stimulus. With government paying individuals that are out of work because of government action has contributed to and is growing a dependent class of the population. People have grown comfortable with their self-licking ice cream cone getting their weekly government checks for being out of work, staying out of the workforce to continue living on that gravy train, living off their future taxes and future debt by not seeking out the jobs that are out there. This week, information on jobless claims demonstrates what happens to the unemployment rate 
when you pay people to be out of work. The unemployment rate goes up. Gee, imagine that. Good on some of the state governments for ending their unemployment benefits when there are many jobs out there that cannot be filled because the government is paying people to stay home. This brings to mind a great quote that I read by the Nobel-winning economist Milton Friedman. And he stated this, When you start paying people to be poor, you wind up with an awful lot of poor people. Doesn't that truly grab the situation in our republic right now? Everywhere I go when I'm out and about, I see signs that businesses are hiring now. In fact, there are signs out there that say, work today, get paid tomorrow. They have to offer these instant cash incentives to get people to give up their government checks. Nearly every establishment is hiring. With our businesses finally opening, they're finding they cannot operate at full capacity because people are enjoying, I mean really enjoying, their temporary security of government checks right now. They get money coming into their bank accounts and they don't have to lift a finger to earn it. Now, government is also trying to reframe the narrative on that situation too. They don't want to acknowledge that their solution to people still being out of work, which is caused by their government action, is not because they get paid more to sit at home and draw a check. Nope, they're now saying that people aren't returning to work because of childcare issues. Schools and daycares are closed, so people cannot return to work, and they need to stay at home and care for their children. Well, why are schools and daycare closed? Let me think. Yep, that was caused by government action. It won't be long now before they come up with another solution to this problem. There are already hints about this. They're proposing billions of dollars to nationalize children's daycare in our country. Nationalized health care, nationalized child care. When they nationalized our health care, that worked out really well, didn't it? Last week, I went to get a haircut from my favorite hairstylist. I get to use that term now since I'm retired. When I was active duty, I went to a barber. Now I get to go to a hairstylist. And Melissa always does a phenomenal job, too. I'm definitely a customer for life as long as she'll have me. Anyway, I got there about 35 minutes early, so I pulled into a Dunkin' Donuts across the street and ordered a cup of coffee in the drive through lane. This Dunkin' Donuts was so understaffed that a drive through cup of coffee order took 28 minutes, and now, keep in mind, there's only four cars in front of me before I had to pull out of line just to make my appointment with Melissa on time. And it's like this nearly everywhere we go. What's it like where you live? Share with me your experiences in dealing with understaffed business establishments right now. Of course, the sniffer-in-chiefs and his other big government aristocrat comrades' solution to this problem is, da-da-da, more government spending, meaning your tax dollars or your future debt to give to people to continue staying at home and not seeking employment. We also have the crabby old socialist Bernie lashing out against governors that are ending unemployment benefits in their states because they would rather see their citizens back at work rather than living off the government dole. But old feel-the-burn Bernie cannot tolerate that. Remember, he believes government needs to take care of people. They shouldn't be forced to return to work to provide for themselves and their families if the government can continue doing so. The old burn is angry. And our government is slowly but surely stifling out the independent American spirit. It is all according to plan, too, and at least in my mind. How about you? I'd like to pause for a word from another supporter of this podcast.
For all my listeners that live in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, I want to give a huge shout out to one of my all-time favorite car mechanics and longtime good friend, Glenn Moser. He is a supporter of this podcast and the owner-operator of Professional Auto, located at 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha, in Virginia Beach. Phone number is 757-962-0102. Not only is Glenn an extremely talented mechanic, but he is also a great American and a staunch supporter of our constitutional rights. My family and I relied on Glenn and Professional Auto for all of our vehicle needs when we lived in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area. Quality work at a fair price and service with a smile are what you will receive when you take your vehicle to Professional Auto. I encourage all my listeners there in the Hampton Roads area to look them up if your car needs work. Again, that is Professional Auto, 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and the phone number is 757-962-0102. Anyway, back to my discussion with a listener. This person stated it was the same there where they lived as well. Hiring signs everywhere. In fact, one of the businesses uh, this person talked to said that they had they're now hiring sign up for three months. Nobody's applied for a job. Yet the unemployment rate's above 6%. And we see this slow service, slow delivery, slow everything everywhere. It's because government has gotten people accustomed to sucking at their teat. Newsflash, teats always run out of milk at some point. It's going to happen when businesses go under because they cannot survive and the temporary safety of our government money runs out. I've heard it said that we are only six or nine meals away from anarchy or chaos. What happens when this reliance on temporary security hits the food supply chain? When grocery stores cannot keep the shelves stocked? When suppliers cannot ship items from farm to table? or from manufacturers to stores. We already had a glimpse of this last year when we couldn't find poop tickets, also known as toilet paper, anywhere. And then grocery stores limited the amount of food items you could purchase. They were rationing, which is something you only see in socialist or communist countries. So rationing food and cleaning products and poop tickets were the norm for a few months in 2020. Why? Well, because of the government intervention, of course. What happens when there are not enough people working to provide the population with food because they are paid more to sit at home than return to the workforce? A lot of good that government check's going to be when there is no food to purchase. Temporary safety gained by giving up liberty results in tyranny. This temporary monetary safety will end up resulting in anarchy. Might this be by design too? When the food supply chain breaks down enough to cause the government to come in and save the day? I'm not sure, but you always have to ask the why. Why is the government positioning themselves as the only resource to turn to? It's not in its enumerated powers, but they have sold the American people that it is especially when they cite general welfare in their bills. They take that clause out of context, too, so they pass legislation to take our sweat equity and firearms away from us. When it says necessary and proper, it says necessary and proper in fulfilling the aforementioned 
meaning all the other enumerated powers. If you read the entire clause, it meant Congress has the power to lay and collect taxes to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the country. It is in the general interest or general welfare of this country to not be indebted to foreign countries. It doesn't mean they were empowered to create a welfare state or not to unarm or make it extremely difficult for the law-abiding citizens to keep and bear arms. Instead, they have used this clause and the wording general welfare to generate an astronomical amount of debt that they are laying on the citizens and many future generations of our citizens. They also tell us that it is in the interest of our nation's general welfare that we cannot have firearms so we can be safer. Is that looking out for the general welfare of the country? Quite the opposite. When this happens, we are robbed of our liberty. We're robbed of our freedom. We become increasingly more dependent upon an overreaching government. A government that will pay us, feed us, clothe us, house us, and protect us from criminals. Is that what you want for yourself? Is that what you want for your children? It brings to mind another great quote. I'm not sure exactly who said it, and I saw it back in 2018 on the old Twitter on Leo Sodano's page. And it is this, I quote, I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid to live on my knees in a world run by lesser men who control the destiny of my children and the safety of our women. Who in their right mind would trust anybody in Washington, D.C. or our state capitals with the safety of our children and our family's safety? Don't get me wrong, our military keeps us safe against other nation states all the time. It's the most feared, most powerful, most capable military in the world. But I'm referring to the safety in our communities, in our neighborhoods. Look at how well the government's performed up to now on that point. Let's put the federal and state governments in charge of our children's education. How well do we compare to other countries around the world since that happened? It's more that unbroken leg fallacy. The government solution has always been to throw more government money, which they have to get from us first, at our education system. It was broken by the government in the first place. And now the sniffer-in-chief wants four more years of free education for our children. First of all, nothing is free. Somebody always foots the bill. Secondly, we cannot trust the government to fix anything they broke in the first place. Everything in the marketplace that the government touches causes the price to increase exponentially. Not only is it our birthright, as the citizen sovereign of our republic to have more than just a passing knowledge and understanding of our Constitution and Bill of Rights. It is also our duty and responsibility. James Madison wrote in the Federalist Papers when discussing Clause 18 to Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, that necessary and proper clause, that we should vote out of office those elected officials that abuse the enumerated powers of the Constitution. He said that when elected officials' actions of misconstruing the legislative power and it is then further bolstered by the executive and judicial branches, which I'll cover in another episode, he said this, and I quote, A remedy must be obtained from the people who can, by the election of more faithful representatives, annul the acts of the usurpers. Usurpers, that's a great term. 
Another great adjective to describe the aristocracy. They are the usurpers of our liberty. Some of our state's constitutions go even further in discussing our duties and responsibilities as citizens. This is from Article 1, Declaration of Rights, Section 2 of the Tennessee Constitution. It states that government being instituted for the common benefit, the doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slavish, and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind. Just in layman's term, or in other words, if you do not resist arbitrary power and oppression from government, you're a moron. So read the Constitution. Understand their enumerated powers. Don't take them at their word when they pass legislation with their constitutional authority statements. Educate yourselves. Educate your children. That is all for this week. Before I go, I will leave you this from God's Word, from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Our apathy has allowed the aristocracy, the usurpers of our liberty, to master us. The aristocracy are slaves to power and control. They have become depraved by their constant grasp of power and control over their fellow human beings, their fellow citizens. The usurpers constantly give lip service to our country as being a beacon of freedom, yet enslave us by whittling away our liberty with their lies. So shrug off the apathy. Help to shrug off your family member's apathy, your neighbor's apathy, your co-worker's apathy. Seek freedom, seek liberty, and ferociously defend it. Stand in the arena. Resist the arbitrary power and oppression that is coming from our federal government and state governments. Until next week, when we'll be switching things up a bit. A member of the Free Tennessee Project, which is part of the Free States Project, will be on this podcast as a guest, and they will be interviewing me, getting my positions on things. Well, I pray you all have a wonderful rest of the week and a great weekend. May the Lord bless and keep you and shine his face upon you. Yours in liberty, Reveille, it's time to wake up.